0: For more information on the Ex-Mormon Files internet video program, please visit ExMormonFiles.com. That's ExMormonFiles.com. And now, here's Earl.
1: Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Ex-Mormon Files. I'm your host, Bishop Earl, and as you may remember, we're interviewing Grant Palmer, and it's such a joy to hear his stories and to contemplate his what he's been through and uh, the journey that he's made from Mormonism to to Christianity, and so we appreciate you coming and sharing some more. I did want to ask, when you, when you when you put the book out in 2002, you had a court, not not right away, but two years later, they held a court, and uh, you had a six-hour court, as I recall or had heard. How what was that experience like? Long. <laughs> Tiring, I'm sure. Sunday
2: morning, 7 in the morning, finished at 1 o'clock.
1: Did you debate different things in the book and try to present to them? No. One One of the 18, there were a
2: couple of alternate uh, high counselors, along with the high council and the state presidency and the clerk. Right, right. Uh, one had read the book, and he was assigned to uh, defend
1: the church. Oh, really?
2: He, yeah. <laughs> but he did He did ask. So one question. out of the many had read yes, the book. Yes, yes
1: we were just talking a, a few minutes ago about Jer- jeremy Run- runnell i think that's his, how you say his, it runnels okay and how he had done the same thing with his court recently held where he had been excommunicated he actually excommunicated the church which was a different twist on things but um where he actually had asked everyone did you read the ces letter and whether there was a gag order in place i'm not sure but no one raised their hands he asked them if they'd read the church essays. No one had read the church essays. Well,
2: didn't, didn't one of them say, uh, you're the one that's on trial here. Yeah, we're not. Uh, uh, the church isn't on trial. You are. But, you yeah. know, they got it exactly wrong, didn't they? Because yeah. it is the church that's on trial.
1: Well, it is. So did you debate any of your issues? And- oh,
2: for six hours, they started off, uh, you know, uh, you know, just introductions and yeah
1: defining apostasy or and, and they treated me
2: pretty good I'm, I'm not saying yeah. they were they were rough on me at all at uh, one point they started asking questions and I says look I'm, I'm not here for a temple inner temple, temple recommend interview I'm here to, to to talk about my membership here yeah and uh, they kind of backed off then but uh, they read some letters of how my book had uh, caused some people to to doubt
1: Oh.
2: and They were never interested in whether the book was true or not. In fact, my my take on uh, church disciplinary actions, at least intellectual apostasies, they don't care about the truth, whatever. And and my court and Jeremy's, I think, proves that. Because they haven't read it, and yours too. too. Yeah. Uh, The court isn't even about Jeremy. It's about people who could be a future Jeremy or a future Grant to Palmer. Cut
1: that off. They, yeah.
2: You know, it's like a. It's it's like Rome used to put people on crosses as you come into the city of Jerusalem. Yeah. And that could be you too. Yeah. So it's not so much for the person at the trial, but for those who are not at the trial. Don't even go there, or that could happen to you. That's that's what it's about. Kind of I had a general authority tell me that.
1: Really. Ooh. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask kind of in a a theoretical way, but um, what should a member do that's having some questions? uh, How do we get them to acknowledge where they're at and maybe even more importantly, have them turn to the Bible and to Jesus? What what do you think would be the best thing to do? You made that transition, apparently. I feel like I did to Jesus. What, uh, What would you suggest to them? Well, I,
2: I think uh, it just, the Bible says you, you should prove all things, hold fast to that which is true. So the Bible gives an invitation to take a look.
1: Yeah.
2: D- don't get so fearful, I guess is the word, that I can't take a look. Yeah. Read the Bible. Read it without the with your indoctrination and just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Start there. Start with John yeah. and just say, what is Jesus saying? And then say, is this, is, what my, is this what my church is teaching and emphasizing? What is Jesus saying? Because the Mormon Jesus and the New Testament Jesus are, are, are more different than the LDS people might think. Yeah. I,
1: One of the things I did early on was to go get a red letter Bible. Mm-hmm. I wanted to read, well, what really did Jesus talk about? Yeah. And, and then eventually, what did Paul talk about? And more importantly, what didn't they talk about? They don't yeah. talk about Mormon doctrines at all. Yeah, just give one example. Uh, they drank wine. It
2: was pretty common. It was a cut yeah. wine, but it was still wine because yeah. the water wasn't so hot over there. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: And, uh, and, uh, and Jesus, uh, he says, I'm more concerned what comes out of your mouth and what goes inside it.
1: Yeah.
2: Now, isn't that interesting? Because it is. The, the LDS Jesus, if you drink wine, you cannot live with God. And you think, oh, he wouldn't be like that. Well, think it through. If you drink wine, you can't get the Mormon temple recommend. That's right. You can't go get the saving ordinances, and you can't live with God the Father. Yeah. Because you can't go to the celestial kingdom. You can't get to the
1: celestial kingdom. So you think, well, that seems
2: kind of innocent. What do you mean? Drink wine. But it contradicts Jesus. The same thing with uh, Jesus says, look, uh, trust in me. You don't need all these ordinances (laughs) <laughs> you're 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 to be born again. Yeah, but he doesn't talk about temple ordinances in order to live with God and pay ten percent and all of that yeah. to get there. Uh, Jesus doesn't talk about paying ten percent to get no uh, to get to heaven to no. live with God. No, he says be a generous giver. Yeah, cheerful. Giver. Yeah. One doctrine after another, you'll find out that the Mormon Jesus and the New Testament Jesus. So I would say to you, this this person, give yourself permission. To, to read the Bible and read it without
1: the Mormon glasses. Try to read it as a child and try not to Just be like inflowed. he says. Yeah. yeah. One thing you've written recently uh, is the question and answer about the New Testament. It talks mm-hmm. about some of the canon of, of the New Testament, how it came to be, and the proof that it's worthwhile and trustworthy. And you can find that on mormongrantpalmer.net. Uh, and mormonthink.com so uh, so anyway you go through your court and you end up getting well
2: six hours a long time we don't have that kind of time but they gave me they allowed me one witness I had a BYU professor come in and character witness or to support the book or uh, just say something about scholarship in general okay federal judge offered to be a witness and I wish I'd have used him. He, he carried some clout in my stake. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, uh, I, I I mean, after f- all this time there's a lot to remember and then they're going to give me 15 minutes to, to say what I want to say. Yeah, And uh, what I ended up doing is uh, uh, I when, when I wrote Insider's View, there was not a totally accurate Picture of how Joseph Smith translated the entire current Book of Mormon, and there it is on page three. I had to get an artist to uh,
1: to actually put the with the head and the hat, yeah, with his elbows with the on stone. his knees,
2: yeah, and so forth. And uh, and I, I'd blown that picture up and I'd sent it around, and I said to them, "How many of you?" This is back in nineteen. 19- Eighty, what is it? No, 2004. 2004
1: was your court. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I says, how many of you know this is how the current Book of Mormon that we have today Was, was produced? It was head and hat.
1: Nobody knew that.
2: Nobody knew except the guy who had read the book. Yeah. And I pass this around and I says, we could sit here every morning, every Sunday morning for two hours for the next six months, and we could talk about issues just like that one, and more important than that one, <laughs> that you haven't heard much about. Well,
1: any response? None. <laughs> no.
2: So they dismissed me, and they came back, and uh, they just fellowshiped me. I think. Uh,
1: Okay, so you were disfellowshipped then. I was disfellowshipped. My to state church. president
2: really didn't believe in excommunication. That's the only reason I oh, escaped. Really? I think so. Yeah. Now you continue He's a very going. nice person.
1: Yeah, and so. They're, we, they're
2: all, you know.
1: Yeah, they're, mean, they're trying, doing their job. They're trying. You know, I mean, I, I can see myself sitting there too in a high council. You probably could too. You do continue going to church though. Yeah, Somewhat in fact, I was, I was still teaching the
2: high priest. I've been teaching it for 16 years. and <laughs> so, uh, just... so this happened on like December 11th or 12th of 2004, and then then they released me in January. But I, I think I, I, I was going to try to go to church for uh, into January and February, and then um, I borne my testimony one day, and the bishop says well we got some complaints that you bearing your testimony about Jesus Christ. I wanted to thank the ward because they had uh, come to see me in the hospital. I had had colon cancer. Oh. Uh, a, a year before that. And
1: uh, you had three surgeries, I believe. Two, and two, two and chemo treatments and
2: radiation the whole works. Oh boy. So so anyway, I had a full year of that between the chemo and a, Surgery and the radiation and mm-hmm. another operation. On the, anyway, it was.
1: And people had come to visit.
2: They come and I, I just wanted to thank the ward for their, for their help, and I bore it a, a strong testimony of Jesus Christ, and uh, and sat down, and some of the members told the bishop <laughs> that they thought I was a hypocrite. Oh, because I guess they didn't think you could have a strong testimony of Jesus Christ and not Joseph no, Smith. I
1: believe the church was yeah. true. Yeah.
2: And I and I would talk to my stake president openly. I said, you know, I don't know why I can't take the sacrament. I don't have any trouble with Jesus. It's Joseph. <laughs> I says maybe the maybe the And it is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I says maybe the critics are right. We don't worship Jesus enough. If you're going to you're going to take away the sacrament for me, I don't have any problems with Jesus Christ. Wow. It's Joseph Smith. Yeah. Well, you can't do it anyway. <laughs> it's isn't it ironic that once you resign your membership, which I did in 2010, then you can sit there and go take the sacrament.
1: Really? I guess you can. If, if you you're want a visitor, to. yeah.
2: After they, you've they're not going to throw you out. They're not going to check up. They don't, <laughs> are they? Are they going to make you no, not a member? No, especially not if they members don't, if they choose because they, they
1: don't know you. Visitors are welcome.
2: <laughs> but when you're under a, a disfellowshipment, yeah. you're not to do that.
1: You yeah, see. that's true. I was going to uh, ask you. You had an opportunity some years ago, and I'm not even sure the date, but uh, I remember you saying this that you'd had a chance to see the seer stone. Fifty years ago. Fifty years ago. 1965. When you were first at yeah. the
2: U, I guess? Were I was just graduating from the University of Utah, and uh, and my principal professor there, uh, I saw him sitting in Orson Spencer Hall, so I went and sat down, we got talking, as he was recommending me for grad school at BYU. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, well, why, don't you, why don't you stay here? Leonard Arrington, he wasn't a church historian then, uh, he says, "Why don't you?" We're having a series of lectures. Uh, Earl Olson's coming. Assistant Church Historian George Ellsworth from from Utah State University and Arrington spoke uh, about Great Basin Kingdom and so forth. So, so we did that, and then it, it went on about eight weeks, as I remember, maybe a little longer. And finally, uh, Arrington says, when Earl Olson came, he says. You have some artifacts or something we could see down in the church office building that you're willing to show us? Yeah, so we so we dismissed there and 20 minutes later met down in the uh, church office building. Um,
1: that would be on North Temple now, I guess the old church office. Building. No, it, it, no, it was the new one. The new one.
2: okay. Yeah, 1965. We call it the Tower of Power. <laughs> <laughs> but we we queued up and he had a great big good. Silver door, first presidency of all, and he came out with locks of Joseph Smith's hair, some of his handwriting, and these three seer stones.
1: Oh my God! One of
2: which is the one they finally released in the Ensign last year.
1: Yeah.
2: I tried to get a picture of that for my book, and he says, "Oh no, we can't do that. Wouldn't release it." Huh? I says, "Well, what if it disappeared some day? I mean, you at least
1: I'd <laughs> have a picture." So anyway, the- now it's out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that so you you knew of that uh, a long time ago. You, did you realize what implications that had? Probably not at the time. No, 65. I did Sixty-five. Oh, you did. Oh yeah. That that was what he used to tra- to translate the entire the, current.
2: It's the most important artifact that they have left. The plates aren't around. No, the plates are gone. They may never have been. Yeah. But interesting. See, I got in trouble at CES for uh, during the Hoffman period in nineteen eighty-four-five. And I had a question box, and students had asked me questions, mainly about dating and you know, friends kissing or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Kids' questions. Huh? And it was this Hoffman stuff was in the newspapers, and so one student says, "Well, did Joseph Smith translate the Book of Mormon uh, uh, using the plates?" And I says, "I don't, not that I know." Of. I says, "He used the stone in a hand." He says, "What?"
1: Yeah, some 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 have said that the plates weren't even in the room, or. They were out in the yeah, forest. 22 or... statements. Yeah.
2: Not one ever says he had the plates in front of him using it. Not one. Wow. Two hours later, this kid went home. He was a senior student on the seminary council. He got his mother and the mother's down to the principal. Two days later, I'm up there with the principal, his boss, and the oh. zone administrator. <laughs> we're, having a, we're having an hour and a half discussion. <laughs> and, and most of that was centered around the seer stone. Wow. And they'd say things like, uh, "Well, I've never heard a general authority say a sear stone was used."
1: Yeah, right.
2: I've never heard. I've never seen a picture of it in the end sign. I've never heard anyone in conference talk about it. And I says, "Well, that's the way we we got the Book of Mormon." So after it was all over, they he pulled out a sheet of paper. He wanted to put me on probation for a year, which they did. Oh. I refused to sign it. Yeah, I said, "I'm not going to sign that." I this. <laughs> what I'm telling you is the truth. <laughs> but I was kind of a little frustrated and I called up the senior historian at BYU and I says, you know, I says, the three of them versus me for an hour, and a, an hour and a half and they put me on probation and I accepted that and I got off it a year later, by the way. I, oh, good. <laughs> I, and, and and I did a, a didn't good affect job. your retirement. I just quit sharing my
0: yeah. writings
2: and so forth. No. And so I, I was... Lamenting to him, I says, "You know, I says, I I didn't know what to say. They had never heard of this stone. They'd never do anything about it. They just knew that I was wrong, and uh, and that, and that's the way it was going to go down." And I says, "Honest, I says honestly, on a scale of one to ten on their knowledge, they were about a three collectively." And he says, <laughs> "All three of them." Oh, Grant, I think you're being far too generous <laughs> with them. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Because now.
1: Now this air out. And,
2: and the yeah. same thing with, it, with with my church court. I passed around. How many of you know this is how How it happened? Yeah. Nobody. I like to think that it hasn't been that long ago that at least some of those high counselors fought back Can and said, you know, yeah. that's what Palmer was telling us back in <laughs>
1: 2004. I wanted to read a couple of things that uh, I was really impressed with that was new to me. From your book, and uh, again, for those that uh, get the book you you find it very fascinating. One of the things was William McClellan. this is on page uh, two hundred twenty four i think i 'm not sure. But he says this, I joined the church in 1831. For years, I never heard of John the Baptist ordaining Joseph and Oliver. I had not heard of James, Peter, or John doing so. And then 1870, he says, I heard Joseph tell his experience of his ordination by Cowdery and the organization of the church probably more than 20 times to persons who, near the rise of the church, wished to know and hear about it. I never heard of Moroni, John, Peter, James, John, but as to the story of John the Baptist ordaining Joseph and Oliver on the day they were baptized, I never heard of it in the church for years, although I carefully noticed noticed things that were said. Isn't that amazing?
2: Well, all of the, I mean, first, vision, the first visions are not in the Doctrine and Covenants. The, the three and eight witnesses statement was not put in until 1876. Uh, the priesthood restoration, we still don't have accounts of these. We have yeah. a little... A few sentences tucked in Section 21 in today's Doctrine and Covenants, but there's a reason for this. They just weren't... They, <laughs> they weren't talking about it,
1: they weren't doing and, it. And you would have thought that would have been the main conversation. Are there minutes from the 18 uh, April 6, 1830 meeting, the organizational meeting... Uh, I looked for those ones. There's, there's six
2: revelations Are there? given on that. That's on about that as day. close as you get. Uh, minutes? I don't know the answer to that.
1: Because okay. I always thought how strange it is that nobody was talking about... Here, Joseph and Oliver had just gotten the Aaronic Melchizedek Priesthood the, the summer, fall, uh, spring before, and yet they weren't talking about that and they weren't ordaining people to... No. Melchizedek priesthood and they weren't talking about the first vision an elder was an
2: apostle that's that's what it was. They even get where they organized a church wrong. It wasn't in Fayette it was in Manchester really that's what the early revelations say Oh really and there's other evidence for that.
1: Oh. I didn't know that one. The other one, and uh, it's not too long, but as Stephen Burnett wrote in 1838 to Lyman Johnson, but when I came to hear Martin Harris state in public that he never saw the plates with his natural eyes, only in vision or imagination, neither Oliver nor David, and also that the eight witnesses never saw them and hesitated to sign that instrument for that reason, but were persuaded to do it, the last pedestal gave way, in my view, our foundation was sapped, and the entire superstructure fell in a heap of ruins. I, I know you've heard, talked about the spiritual eye, the second sight, and the eyes of our understanding were opened, and that kind of thing. What? Uh, well, what that's is a big that? subject.
2: Uh, on this occasion, this was in the height of the apostasy in
1: 1838,
2: mm. and. Uh, Martin Harris is in the Kirtland Temple giving this speech.
1: Oh, is that where it was? And that,
2: when he got through that, it blew three apostles right out of the church, Lyman and Luke Johnson and John F. Boynton. And Luke eventually came west, became a bishop, never, never achieved the apostles.
1: Now, I knew that some of these apostles left, but I just figured they were weak. They didn't well, have the, testimonies. You, were,
2: you sat in those I, I said. milk strippings and, and jealousies. and the, Yeah. No, there are very good reasons why they're leaving. Yeah. No, it, it blew three apostles right out of the church. Yeah.
1: Well, what is this second sight, the eyes of our understanding were opened? Well, section 110 of the
2: Doctrine and Covenants, current Doctrine and Covenants. Starts out. Or there. section 76 is the eyes of our understanding were opened, and then they proceed to talk about seeing Moses, Elijah, Elias, Jesus Christ, but they're behind pulpits. Do you think it's like mesmerizing, or no? It's it's what? the it's it's the eyes
1: of your understanding. That means the mind. I mean, if you stop and stop for a second, and I look at a vase, I can see a vase sitting there. Is that what yeah. we're talking about? My second sight. Yes, that,
2: Martin Harris says I've seen the plates, like seeing a city through a mountain. It's like closing your eyes and picturing driving into Las Vegas at night.
1: Yeah. That's what it is. Well, and he said, I I, I didn't see the plates like I see a pencil on the right. table. Spiritual eye. Spiritual eyes. The, the mind. Yeah. Yeah, this is what it is. Section 76,
2: when they see Jesus, the eyes of our understanding were open. They're not physically seeing anything, and that helps explain... You cannot understand early Mormon history unless you understand this concept. Of second sight. This was a real aha moment for me to discover this.
1: Yeah, I had never heard of it either. I don't think anybody. Because had. we always thought, well, the eleven witnesses—they at right. least handled the book, the the gold plates, and yeah. they saw this stuff. And so, what? How can you deny that testimony? But they never did. Chapter apparently. six
2: in this book yeah. gets into second sight big time. Yeah. In fact, I don't think you can understand the witnesses and some of these other things unless you understand what's really going on there. As as, uh, Sylvester Smith, who was 70 at the time, says, we saw convoy after convoy of angels, the dedication of the Kirtland Temple, all with the eyes of our
1: understanding. And that was acceptable wording. I mean, they knew what they were saying. Did the did the general membership of the church maybe understand that? Or well, Joseph
2: they, was teaching them, yeah, this idea to accept this. Is I That's, mean, they take a break from this, the Salt Lake or the Kirtland Temple and say, "That dark-haired woman over there is is, is Eve," <laughs> and, and I mean, really, it's it's just it's it's
1: incredible. And you talked about a pattern of non-denial, where people in that time period wouldn't deny things. Do you, do you recall that discussion that you had, or at least... Say like, a little more, no. Well, just that the people were in, in the mode of never denying. There were other people who said they saw visions and other, did other things during this 1830, 1840, 1820. you mean the, 1820. the witnesses? Yeah, the witnesses were... Well, they, the
2: witnesses didn't want to sign the document.
1: Yeah, because Hiras, it reads
2: too physical it, it reads like they saw physical plates and yeah John
1: Whitmer says I I don't feel comfortable with that did Oliver Cowdery sign their names yes they look very similar
2: well the for, for the manuscript of the Book of Mormon they yeah, did yeah they may have originally signed it I don't know because it says that Joseph prevailed upon us. Mm. to sign it. And of course they were all basically but they, they, the they two knew they families. Were, they knew it, it read more physical than they had experienced. They knew
1: this. And so we have Joe, the Smith family, the Whitmer family, and then Hiram Page who's yeah. uh, uh, married into it. And then Martin Harris who was the one with the money. <laughs> he was a perfect dupe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and eager to... Uh, uh, anyway, there's so much. Anyway, we actually maybe have an opportunity to share a little bit more. I've got some other questions and thoughts that I'd like to hear your uh, thoughts okay. about. So if we can, we'll, we're getting close, I think, to the end, are we? Um, okay. Um, in fact, uh, let's see, did you, um, you said you were aware of the Tanners and you met them. Uh, you've got information from them, I guess. Did you? Uh, you yeah. okay? I got a charley
2: horse. Oh dear! I've been sitting down too long. Oh, <laughs> go ahead.
1: Well, I just wondered if you, what other interactions you'd had with them, and what you thought. With of the Tanners? Shadow and reality. Their books, and we'll take a break here.
2: We, uh, I was just kind of intellectually interested in them because they were putting documents out that are earliest. Man, uh, magazines and yeah. and books, yeah. uh, replicas. I was intellectually curious, and then I read their stuff, and I didn't like their tone. Could have been better, but they're not professional historians. <laughs> they they just in the back room running mm-hmm. a mimeograph machine yeah. off. Yeah, and I I never would just accept what they said. I would look things see, up see. and see the context. See. And, and all that kind of thing, yeah. Well,
1: I know they, they've had an influence on a lot of folks, and I wondered if they'd influence... Well, or... back then, they were really... A... We're actually out of time grant, so we'll see you next time. We'll, we'll conclude.
0: This has been the audio edition of the Ex-Mormon Files. The Ex-Mormon Files is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City. For information about this program, including past and current video episodes, please visit ExMormonFiles.com.